So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. All right, so... Let me just say that again. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. Uh, I'm Rico Shields, and I actually do this time have with me Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I am laughing. <laughs> this has been such an entertaining start to uh, what I was assuming and have been excitedly anticipating to be a super um, entertaining show. So, there it is, you know. Is. I mean, how, how do light workers deal with stress? Well, we giggle a lot. We, we giggle it. a lot because, you know, uh, I lost my electricity. My, my electric service went out right before the show. Hydro, as they say in Canada, the hydro went out. And I have battery backups on everything, like I said earlier, but I don't know. We lost everything. So, and and then... I'm trying to get a hold of Jean with my cell phone to the Skype, and her Internet's gone. So, <laughs> uh, fun. Right. And if I'm in the room with my computer, my cell phone doesn't work because I have no signal in this room. So I can't even call or text Rick or call into the show if I'm on the computer waiting for a Skype. So it's been a very interesting 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness, it's 20 minutes into the show. So I hope you guys will hang with us a little yeah. later tonight. Because um, yeah, we've we got a fabulously amazing guest. I mean, uh, hour and a half. Don't want to scare anybody. Yeah. Hour. We'll do the, try to do the whole hour and a half mm-hmm. so that I can then go cut out the... Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition. And then I'm um, 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 I'm sure <laughs> my, my best public speaking ever. Um, um, um. Um, <clears throat> yes, you're right, Sam. This tech is a temporary phase. I would... Estimate that yes. in about 80 to 90 years, people will sit around and go, D- words? <laughs> what was this words business? How did they understand each other? Uh, so. Language, we don't. Hey there. So quick shout out, quick shout out to um, our family in the chat room who are giving shout outs and comments and love. And then um, I think we should jump right into it, Rick. Yes, ma'am. What do you think? So, you know. All right questioner of questions shall uh, get us rolling. Oh, I have to introduce. Well, we have this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, we have this. We have with us a, a wonderful guest tonight, a uh, wonderful lady. Uh, we've been uh, distant friends on Facebook for a while, and I just sort of picked up the Facebook mail and said, hey, you want to come on the show? And she said, oh, yeah, this is fun. So we have with us Meg Adamson-Gower. How are you, Meg? 
Hi, I'm I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very honored to be here. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. We I, I, I usually test that during the pre-show call, but we didn't get one of those. Exactly. It's okay. I go by pretty much anything. We we pronounce it as Gore, but that's Gore. all right. No problem. We'll just go with Meg. Yeah, right. Meg is good. <laughs> all right, uh, Meg, well, we'll jump right in then and sure. um, ask, ask the most important question, question of the night. Who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great. Boy, that's a that's a big question too. Um how much time do we have? <laughs> See? We have that, ninety minutes. That's why that's the only question we ever prepare. People occasionally email us guests, uh, future guests and say, Oh, uh, send me a list of questions and it's like, Well, um, we just have one. We have one. <laughs> I I like that. I because I actually wrote you, and I'm not trying to slide swipe the question. I'll come right back to it. But when you when you asked me to be on the show, I did something along those lines, and I I texted you back and said, you know, is there any area in particular that you'd like me to focus on, or any topic that you'd like to cover the most, or what would you like me to do? And you said, no, we kind of really like it to be organic. We like it to just flow and we'll go where we go. And I, I really liked that because it just leaves it wide open for anything to take place, like technical glitches and high vibrations and all kinds of fun stuff that, you know, we all can have a sense of humor about. But um, basically, oh, absolutely. yeah, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, you and I, and this happens at Lightworker on occasions where, you know, we go live with a Q&A and all of a sudden something happens that you didn't anticipate and you have to have a sense of humor and you can come back and record it again or figure it out. And most people really get it and most people really see, too, they're all having the same experiences in these higher energies. They're all having technical issues or, or uh, you know, having to replace their technology or for my air conditioner, a unit we just bought last May, brand new $1,300 central air unit for the house. It froze up the other night for absolutely no reason. We had to unplug it for 24 hours on a 98-degree day, and they came back the next day with no cause for it whatsoever. And it was the day that, you know, somebody was saying Mercury turned retro or came out of retro. I don't really follow that stuff, but it kind of made me chuckle because, you know, you just got to roll with it when it happens. That's all. Absolutely. Um, but I'm very, very happy to be here. And as far as your question, <laughs> who the hell am I and what do I do? <laughs> um, I am, oh boy, you know what? I, what I like to say, I am a wellness warrior and I am a life artist. And what I mean by life artist is I believe we're all the same. I believe we're all walking a path and a journey. And I believe we all create the life of our own design, whether we're doing that consciously or unconsciously, we're doing it all day long with our thoughts and our feelings and what shows up in front of us on our path. So I like to think that I'm a, a student of life and I am someone who it's really important to me that we share our journeys and we walk together and we do our best to stay out of judgment and out of the negativity of things and really play where the magic is. And if we open up to it, with things like a sense of humor when technical things happen versus going into a, an anger mode or a defense mode. If you can stay in that place of allowing, then everything opens up and is available to you and accessible to you. And I'm really passionate about a lot of different things. And I'm a, a firm believer that 
we're moving into a time and an age where we don't have to be good at one thing or specialize in one thing. We can be good at every single thing that we do throughout our day and create magic right in front of us over and over and over again. So it's not about what's your one passion. It's what what are you passionate about and how well can you do every single thing that you're doing and what's the most way you can get out of it. So that's who I am. How does that work for you? That works awesome for me. I'm always fascinated by this idea that um, the generation that came before us had about this life, you know, you had certain life goals and you had a career that you chose and you were going to stick to that and that was going to be your journey. And right from the time I was a little girl, I'd get my hands into this and that and everything I could get my hands into. I wanted to try everything. And like you said, it's not about being good at one thing. It's about being good at whatever I'm doing right now. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. And then that's, in my opinion, that's where things get really uh, interesting. That's where the fun begins. That's where the alchemy is because you're approaching everything with that childhood wonder. You know, it's a bit of a stretch to say, I love doing housekeeping, you know, but when I'm, when I'm, you know, if I'm driving, I'm enjoying my drive. If I'm walking the dog, I'm loving walking the dog. If I'm working and doing, uh, planning an event for a lightworker, I'm loving that. I'm all in it. It has 110% of my attention, and so it's very enjoyable. And also, that said, we're all creating this new way of living for ourselves, That that old I'm in a job that I don't like and I'm stuck there paradigm is quickly leaving. And more and more and more people are turning their hobbies into passions and their passions into careers. So, for example, I love playing with recipes. I love coming up with new things because when I was little, the way that I, that I ate, the way that my parents knew, it didn't work for me. I was always the kid that, you know, couldn't really digest things very well and never really talked about it because I was the last of nine kids and everybody thought you were just trying to get out of doing the dishes after dinner. So you didn't say anything. You just kind of put up with it. So now there's this whole other world that's opened up to me in raw foods and superfoods and things that actually nurture your body, that give you the energy so that you can keep doing things that you love to do, everything that you're doing you're enjoying. So I turned something like that, uh, just a hobby, into a business with a partner and created a website. And it's if you look at the graphics on, on Raw Magic, they're all about play. They're all about fun. They're all about enjoying being in the moment, feeding yourself well, being in charge and responsible for your own well-being, and really opening up so that merge between physical well-being and spiritual well-being just explodes. And you enjoy everything that you're doing. You start to see magic everywhere. Now, did you grow up knowing that that was the truth or was there some defining moment, um, some, you know, occurrence or event that happened in your life that kind of woke you up and snapped you into this, wow, all the things I didn't see, hey, there they are. Yes, absolutely. I had no idea. I was um, quietly 
happily asleep, living a life. Um, I worked as a, a as a key account manager for a video distributor, and we we had a lot of fun. It was a very 3D job, and we had a really good time. And then I went on a trip to Spain with a friend and came home and and literally hit the wall. I got sick. I have, to this day I still have no recollection of one month of time. Uh, I have no idea what took place other than I was conscious and then violently ill and then unconscious. And that went on for days. And I did not have that experience that a lot of people talk about this awakening moment or this near-death experience where everything was very lovely and very positive and very nurturing. I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified, and I thought that realistically at some point someone in my family would sort of notice me missing and find me in my apartment. I, I really thought I was going to die there. And that's when everything changed, and it was over a long period of time. It was I was pretty much incapacitated for eight months. I had severe vertigo for eight months. And I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's when you are so dizzy and if you walk, it almost feels like part of you is left behind. So you don't have your balance. You don't have gravity. And do you, my friend my friend had it and she would walk down the sidewalk and fall over. Yeah. You can't be around people yeah, in a crowd. It's the scariest it's, thing I've it, I've ever gone through with anybody. Yes. And that went on for eight months uh, with me. And, you know, doctors don't really know what to do with you with that. You can go see a, an ear, nose, and throat specialist. And there wasn't anything other than they thought, you know, they labeled it as um, I got Spanish flu and didn't have the antibodies for it. So it took me very close to death. But outside of that, nobody could really assist that process. And at that time, I really didn't know any people that could help explain this to me. And one very good friend of mine um, introduced me to the Lightworker website. And that's sort of when it all started. There was a voice in my head every time. And I was, I was to the point where I really just didn't want to be here anymore. It was such a struggle to try and get well um, that I used to just cry. I used to just lie on the floor and sob. And there was this voice that just kept coming into my head, that just kept saying over and over and over again, do not be afraid, we will not let you fall. And I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't know who that was, but it was comforting. There was just a comfort on a soul level that I couldn't explain. And a friend of mine then called me up and introduced me to the Lightworker website. And at the time, there was a section called the Eight Sacred Rooms. And it was a place that you went through eight stages of healing. And it was a group's teaching from Steve and Barbara Rother in the group. And she said, you really should look at this and you really should go through this process and see how it helps you. And it will help you take your power back. I know you're going through this physically, but there's big spiritual reasons going on for, for what you're experiencing right now. And you really should investigate this. And so I did. And I went through those rooms, and I had a very, very um, cathartic experience there. And that's what introduced me to Stephen Barber. And then I found out shortly after that they were going to be coming to Toronto, where I grew up, Toronto, Canada. And I signed up immediately. I knew every fiber of my being knew I needed to be at that seminar. And it was a two-day seminar called Wings. 
and I had no idea what to expect. I said to my friend, maybe we should drive separately. At that time, I was starting to drive. I was starting to get back into the world, but in very small doses. My test used to be I'd drive to the mall, and I'd walk in the mall, and if I didn't feel the need that I was going to pass out within five or ten minutes, it was a good day, and then I would drive back home, and I would do that again the next day, little by little by little, trying to acclimate being around people again. So I went to this seminar, and there was probably 150 people there, and the energy completely supported me. It did not uh, do anything that I was used to. There was no negative impact whatsoever. And I just remember through the whole weekend, everybody was, you know, happy and celebrating. And there was people that were having a reunion because they had seen them the year before. And and I was the girl that cried the whole weekend. I just cried because for the first time, I received explanations for what was happening to me. The group talked about phantom death. The whole channel was about phantom death and becoming what they call a human angel. And they say that when you have a phantom death, it is like a gigantic left turn. A lot of times it comes through illness. It comes fast and hard. Sometimes, you know, the lucky people, as I call them, it's a, it's a quick thing. It's a near-miss car accident, and it shakes you up enough, and life changes. For me, I hit the wall hard. But they explained that you have a choice at that point, and you can either choose to go home or you can choose to stay. And if you choose to stay, your life will change in drastic and dramatic ways, but it'll put you right in line with your purpose and your passion and your reason for being here. And that's exactly what happened to me. Everything changed, whether you wanted it to or not. I mean, my job was leaving me. Um, my, my mom got sick and was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so I was okay with the job leaving me, and I, and I chose to leave it and take care of my mom. And I did that for three years, and I, and I would do it again in a, in a heartbeat. That was some of the most magical, precious time uh, before she transitioned that um, it changed my life. Everything, new things took on meaning. New people showed up, and I started... Um, hosting Steve and Barbara, after that, just, I didn't even care if I got paid. I just, I got a free seminar. They came out. I got to see them and be in this great energy once a year, and it was awesome. And look what that's turned into. You know, just following something that meant something to you turned into this whole magical career and life. But if somebody had have told me that all of these things were going to happen, I never, ever would have believed them, not for a second. But it was um, an absolutely pivotal uh, moment and period of time that that everything changed. And and I, you know what? If you ask me uh, if I could have done it easier, if I could have done it differently, if I could have not done it at all, I would do it all over again in, in a heartbeat. It wouldn't be fun, but the gifts that have come from it are still giving. Well, yeah, not I can... to mention that the experience shared is is encouragement for others. I mean, I, I went through a very similar journey more than once. Uh? Yeah. <laughs> I like hitting walls, i.e. the Phoenix. That would be me. Times and yeah, I, 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 I burn out and then get reborn. And, uh, oh, my goodness, you're right. I, I wouldn't do it any other way than how I've done it. And yeah. I've noticed that, as I'm sure you have, that sharing the experience and being just brutally, bluntly honest, about how that journey was for us and and 
you know, standing in the truth of our being and just being raw and and exposed allows people to stand on their own truth and to find comfort during their journey. Yeah, it makes it okay. There's other people that will walk along beside you and hold the space for you and energetically hold your hand and say it's okay and and celebrate it. If there's one thing that I would say to anybody going through huge transition in their life, even if it's hard, even if you're sad and it, and you're depressed or you're crying or you're in pain, celebrate it because the other side of it, once you accept it and once you embrace it and once you move through it, it puts you on a magical path of what you're here to do. And everybody has a, a, a special reason for being here and, in a, a, and a unique piece that they bring to this whole, you know, soup called humanity. And no one is m- more or less important than another. We all are doing this together. So if you're in it and it's the big wake up now, celebrate it. it it's magical. And it, the other side of it will open you up to so much. And the nice thing now that I love about technology and, you know, radio shows like yours is there are people talking. There are people out there sharing the experiences, like you say, and Facebook groups and places where you can go that are safe and sacred, and there are other people that understand and will embrace you and help you. I don't know about you, but when I went through that, there was nothing like that. I mean, there was there was nobody. And the thing that I relied on that that's still tried and true to this day is if you ask the questions, the answers will always come. They always show up. The they shows always up. they always show up and, and it, yeah. it I yeah. I can be I can personally attest about the hearing the story thing because I was sitting there listening to you talking and I have never given a better description really, of what I went through. Um, I was only not somebody, just sort of an animal, (laughs) for uh, three days in the intensive care room. Uh, I have no memory of it whatsoever. Uh, In fact, I remember deciding to let go. I remember saying, okay, well, I've had a lot of fun, and uh, and I'm cool with this. If this is the next step, I'm cool with this. And and I remember that release experience. But then I, like you said, I didn't have angels and class time or anything. I I just that was Tuesday night and Saturday night, Saturday evening, about six p.m. I woke up, and apparently I'd been doing some odd things in between and. Uh, and my blood sugar was high enough that I should be dead. Maybe two of me. It was so high. It was like 1,100. Wow. And um, and they were giving me intravenous insulin, and it wasn't going down. It was just, you know. I'm having a similar experience now. My blood sugar's been high, and it's coming down a little. But uh, my endocrinologist put me back on uh, insulin, and that doesn't seem to be making any difference. <laughs> my body mm-hmm. does what it does. Uh, but... It was real identification with, uh, you know, what you were saying. The details, of course, like I said, are different. But um, yeah, when you know you're just you're you're not here. You're in another process, and it's a it's a really powerful 
process and um, like you having no recollection some people some people remember others others don't but I think mm. everybody the the common piece is you know that something bigger than you is happening I mean the, the whole transition thing went on I had to I then lost almost completely my ability to walk and uh, so I learned to walk again in a pool and you know, with physical therapists on both sides of me and all kinds of all kinds of machinations, and I, I I do remember that, and I remember the answers and the revelations and the things that came during that period. And uh, uh, but you're right, I like the Spirit Response Group and and yeah. some of the other places that people can go. I thought that was such a grand idea, and I was so pleased to see the video that Steve did because yeah. you know too often light workers. Well, we're not going to talk about Aurora because that was negative. We don't talk about negative things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of people that they don't have, uh, whether it's family or friends or um, people that they can talk to about some of this stuff. So Spirit Response was designed in a way that people could come to uh, in a safe place and ask for help. And there's there's amazing people from all over the globe. I think there's about 350, 360 people in that group now that any time, day or night, there's different people in different time zones. It's it's just a 24-7 sacred space for people to go to, whether they want to offer healing and assistance to others who are posting or whether you need that and, and you're posting. And I I love that we have that and we have access to that now because a lot of us, when we were going through these processes, we, we didn't. But, but like I was saying earlier, the thing that I still find so magical is that when you ask the questions, the answers will always show up. The healer that's right for you will show up. For me, it was a, a Native American healer that was, um, you'll know where this is, Jean, in, in Penetanguishim. Ontario. I absolutely do know exactly <laughs> where that is. Actually, not, I've spent time in Penetanguishene. <laughs> not too many people absolutely. know where that is, but I know you're Canadian, so I knew that you would know. <laughs> well, I'm not only Canadian, my love. I was born in Toronto, oh, and I spent my summers in Algonquin. <laughs> so there you go. I grew so up in West Central Toronto. You know where Panatanguishine is because it's right up in my old stomping ground. Uh, and there's an amazing lady there, and she's still there. It was her mom, and her mom moved on. Her mom was an incredible lady. It's a uh, Lauberge des Herbes. It's a uh, House of Herbs in Panatanguishine. And uh, Sue Sue Fournier Gare, G A I R, was her name. And her mom was incredible. This was before I knew anything about anything. And her mom would have stomach aches and she'd predict an earthquake and she'd say on her body if it was uh, northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere and she was just a, a really tuned in lady and she was uh, Indian and she would drive they would drive to the reserve uh, the native Indian reserve it would take them about six hours and they'd drive once a month and they would do all the healing for free they would work with herbs they would work with all the sick people and they they did everything free of charge and then of course the people that saw them at their home practice were paying so that's how they they managed to keep everything going and her daughter has taken you know has taken up the torch and that's who i met that that's why i even became a clinical iridologist back then because that's what she did I walked in and she sat me down and she took one look at me and she told me later as I got to know her probably a month or two into my healing process with her she actually 
when after we became friends, said to me, you know, I can say this to you now. I never would have before. But when you first came in my door, I thought you were a drug user that was crashing. Because I was just gray. There was very little life in me. And this lady taught me about herbs and healing and Reiki and special energy and tuning in. And she was able to step into your reality and go where you go and then come back out and work on radionics machines and match the frequencies so that one would negate the other. I mean, she was she was magical to me and so inspiring. That, that's, that was just another person that showed up on my path to put another piece in to get you started with this new life that you know nothing about when you hit the wall like that. But they show up. They all show up. Yeah, they do they do, do that. And you're you're absolutely right. Ask and you shall receive. And I, I told Rick when we first started this show that, you know, that's one of one of the things I was determined to do is to get every single guest we ever had on the show explain that concept in one way or another sometime during the show. And I think so far we've had pretty much every single guest we've ever had on say the same thing. Ask for it and you'll get it. Yep. Ask for help, you'll get it. Ask for answers, you'll get them. Ask for guidance, you'll have it. Ask. Ask, Esther and George and all those friends always manage to steer us to get uh, two or three common pearls that it's one of the things I love about the show is that we get to hear so many unique ways that it happens so that there's something in our hundred hours of stuff that re- would resonate with almost everybody, right. anybody. Because it, yeah. it, uh, that one really hit me. Yours really hit me. It just You did the same thing I did for about the same length of time. Yeah. Uh, I remember, you know, my... Most of my eight months, I only have the short don't remember period where, you know, I have no memory of it at all. As far as I knew, I was gone. And uh, apparently whoever was around my body or whatever was like, you know, hey, hey, just just loosen my hand just a little bit. And then I'd start trying to pull hoses and IVs and things. And right. Weird. Weird. I don't, I don't remember any of that. As far as I knew, I was asleep the whole time. Yeah, amazing. I wish, I wish, I wish I could have (laughs) slept your way through it. (laughs) I wish I could have slept my way through it. I really do. Um, Well, I wrote books. That was before the eight months of during those. Well, you wrote. Yeah, because you wrote two in there, and then towards the tail end of it, yeah, two was. So I was around when you wrote three. I was book two was uh, I I I I couldn't go into crowds. I couldn't be around people. I couldn't. You had somebody deal with you. society. I had somebody feeding me, but I was completely lucid through the or whole thing. I was even still going to work. Food. Although, yeah, yeah, people were reminding me to eat because I would forget to eat. Um, yeah, I mean, and that was that was two months of pure. I was more spirit than I was. <laughs> and I think it's I think it's interesting too because you and I both have sort of come across this diet thing, and then we because I didn't have anybody that was diet and herbs and things when I was healing. I was eating the American Diabetic Association diet. Right. Uh, but um, <laughs> it has sort of caught up to us. And my little experience now is the way I look at it is it was just my body saying, okay, look, no more fooling around. 
with the frappuccinos, would you? Yeah. Back to the greens. And and that's cool, you know. I've I've done it before. I went I went a whole year, I guess, with no sugar. So it's not a big deal. I can fix it. But uh, but that's the way I look at this whole you know mess. Doctor calling with the freak out and all that was the body saying, "Okay, look, I know you got it now because you were feeding me right for a while. What are you doing?" Well, and that's such an interesting. It's a big conversation, isn't it? Because. I really, um, the type of person that I am, when I start to think about something, it tends to become a bigger conversation in my head. And I start to look at it from different angles and chew on it a little bit because we have this whole awareness of what we should be eating and what we're actually eating. And then we have this whole spiritual paradigm. And it becomes interesting when you merge the two together because I have a lot of people that ask me, this type of question and they'll say Meg I understand that for you you choose to eat a certain way and you have this dialogue with your body and it works for you but what about the concept that I can eat whatever I want and if I pray over my food and if I decide I'm going to change the nutritional value of it I'm a spiritual being and I can and I can you know eat hamburgers and french fries every day and still have great health and have you know it give me the nutrition of broccoli and spinach and all the things that I don't really want to eat and I can eat the things that I that I enjoy eating. And I would love to know your opinion on those things because you've played on both sides. I'll tell you what my opinion is if you want. I can um, wait or I can tell you now. I think some of the I think some of the new kids that are coming in are probably able to do that and yep. I think that we are indeed able to do that. I know we're able to do that. The the, the question to me is, you know, my higher being, my real me, uh, my big capital I, uh, I could levitate, cancel out gravity and levitate, but on my path, why? So it, it doesn't, I, it, it would, would like be a waste of time to cultivate that. Be- so it just doesn't. It, it, it's easier. Sometimes the spiritual way to do things is it's easier to just eat the broccoli yeah. than to use spiritual energy to convert French fries into broccoli. Right. It the other element of that, though, is though how, especially like, I mean, Rick, your age, even my age, um, late 30s, how... how difficult really is it to convince yourself? I mean... Truly and honestly convince yourself on a deep, deep soul level to the point where you believe it enough to manifest it as a truth mm-hmm. that smoking isn't bad for you, alcohol isn't bad for you, grease isn't bad for you. We grew up being told that this stuff is bad for you. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, you, you, so, you, but, so it would take years much of deprogramming. Deprogramming. Yeah. Years of it to convince yourself. And if you could do that, then sure, absolutely, eat whatever you want. If you can convince yourself beyond a shadow of a doubt, with but, ultimate faith, no questions asked, that this stuff will not harm your body, then it won't. That's what I believe. But I believe true. that the average person, that the average person cannot get themselves to accept that as a truth. They can say, oh, yeah, I, I put light into my food and it's fine. But on a deep, deep, deep subconscious level, they're thinking, but what if? 
the doctors right. are right. What if cancer society is right? And, and, yeah, and, and, right. And what what could you be doing with that energy that is along the lines of your passion? That's exactly how if, I think. If I love a, how you guys think. That's exactly the conversation that I had in my head. If you're a food person, if you're a food as medicine herbalist healer, and that's your passion, then that's probably what you'll do. But I think that sometimes when people get difficulty with things, they think, you know, oh, well, that's bad, or it doesn't work, or sometimes it's just not for you. That's all. Sometimes you just don't like liver and onions, or you do. You know, right. it's like that. And and um, it's much easier for me, a, a couple of beautiful stores within, you know, five minutes' drive of my apartment, that have beautiful produce sections with lots of organic stuff, and so it's just and that's, easier to and do that's that. Back to, that's back to enjoying every piece that you do and how you spend your energy. So you enjoy supporting the local community. You enjoy picking up fresh produce that still, you know, was just picked from the ground. You enjoy that whole process, and so that's the point. To me, it's not about. I agree with the new kids. I, I believe wholeheartedly in the difference between us and the new kids is they don't even give it a second thought. It's not a par- it's not a pattern running in them. They don't have any conscious issues with it. They can turn whatever they want to into turning it whatever they want to, and it's done and over. For us, it's a little bit different, like you said, because we've got a belief system around it. And so the bouncing off place, right from there, we're starting from a place of lack or doubt. And so you got to go back and work through that pattern so that you can actually um, change that thought process so that you can change that food contribution. And I'm of the same opinion. I look and think, well, I can spend a lot of time doing that or... I can eat what I already know works for me and is great for me and spend all of the other time creating all of these other things that I enjoy just as much. And that's where I prefer to be. I don't want to spend several hours trying to make a French fry give me the nutrition of a broccoli. I can't be bothered. I'm not interested. If that's what you're interested in to prove it to yourself, awesome. Go for it if, if, if you love that. But I'm not interested in that at all. And I love being able to go to a farmer's market. I love knowing my food source. I love supporting the local guys that that are here living in my community. And the whole process is enjoyable. And I was listening to a conference the other day, and I had one of those big, like, aha moments go off in my head. And it, it's actually, I'm, I'm, it's going to be either this next piece on the virtual light broadcast, the segment I do, or, or the month after. I'm not sure because both of them have come in really clearly and I'm just not sure which one I'm going to put in front of the other. But I'll give you a, a, a piece of this and I don't know if you'll find it as interesting as I did. I hope you will because I was listening to a medical doctor, an Indian doctor who went to Georgetown and she was uh, board certified. She was a surgeon. She was OBGYN. She was surgically certified. So we're talking about a, a well-educated lady in the medical field. And she saw clearly there was no nutrition. They didn't study nutrition. They don't cover nutrition. And all of the tests are pretty skewed because it's the big pharmaceutical companies that fund the tests. So you can see they're already angled from a different perspective from the get-go. 
so she went back, she learned nutrition, she, she opened up a clinic, she does this whole holistic approach. But for the first time that I had ever heard it, and that's why I found this fascinating, I'm going to tie this back into the where you spend your energy and your time, and if there is making it your truth and how much work that is, she talked about what physically happens in your body with your thought. And what she said, if I have this right, is, this was the big for me. Your thought transmits to neuropeptides, and neuropeptides bind directly to your immune cells. And every immune cell has a receptor for a neuropeptide, which means your thoughts equal your immune system, scientifically. I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever heard because we all say our thoughts create our reality and we all know that. But when we bring it down to basics, how much of your day do you actually live that and how many judgments or negativities or, or things are going on through your day where you're spending time in your thoughts and as a result, what is that being transmitted into your body? You get where I'm going? I'm fascinated. Isn't that yeah. awesome? By, yeah, it totally is. To to link the science to the hardcore facts and science to the yes. <laughs> well to the thing that we know in our hearts to be a truth. Yeah, yeah, I post that on my wall from time to time, an article from the science section of BBC or something, and I go, I love it when science proves something I've known in my heart since birth. Yes. And uh, it's... It, 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 it's oh, it really quite, sense. yeah. It's really quite amazing, and and the ones that allow themselves to be in touch or do amazing things with plants and and uh, you know I that's my next sort of would like to or wouldn't it be fun if is to get back out of this. Well, I don't mind being in an apartment. It could be a community garden somewhere, but I would like to. Get my hands back in the dirt. Have you seen the movie Edible City? I just posted that to my wall today. Yeah. It's the the free documentary. I just watched it last night. What did you think of it? Oh, I think it's wonderful. I I and I think there's more and more of it happening and more and more of it'll continue to happen. Yeah. Um and uh, I posted another article uh I, I think today to change makers about uh, a, a lot, a vacant lot up in Detroit that they turned into a community garden, and, and um, uh, areas where they, you know, take gray concrete areas, and even if it's not foodstuffs, if it's just trees and right. flowers and stuff, the crime rate goes down. Right. Yes, I thought uh, that was I thought that was exceptional when they talked about that because, you know, we're talking about organic food and you know about about um, sustainable agriculture, but I didn't find that to be the big premise of the film. I found it to be about community, and I loved that they were calling it just backyard gardening, and they were getting kids involved because if they won't teach about nutrition in school, you can teach them in the garden. And the reward is you grow it, you pick it, you make a fruit smoothie as a reward. And the kids are liking it. And the part that blew me away was 
all of these gardens, uh, I can't remember if it was in the San Francisco area or in Oakland because they covered both, but they didn't do, they didn't go for one bank loan. They didn't apply for one single bank loan. They did community loans from neighborhood members. So they were, they, I, I just thought they were so uh, advanced in their thinking and their aspirations and how they were creating these places out of nothing and what they've done. I just thought, I was so impressed by it. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you've got this massive outcry by the public that is, is I'm not going to say slowly waking up, quickly jumping out of bed and going, hey, 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 we want this. And the system, our system, our governments, our medical system, our healthcare system, or sick care system, depending on what you want to call it, is not set up to provide what these people want. So rather than waste their time fighting with the governments and fighting the legislature and fighting with the corporations and fighting with the, you know, everything and fighting against what is not working, they just say screw it and they go out and make what will work that will accommodate their desires and their wants and their needs. Right. And that's and the, the more point. people that are and it's beautiful. Instead it's of awesome. spending time instead of spending time fighting a system, what is that doing in your thoughts? Where are you in a place of lack? What is that doing to your immune system? What is that translating into your health? What is that translating into your joy, your passion, your ability to move through and create your reality the way you want? What are you vibrating when you're doing that? So like you said, instead you reposition yourself and you focus yourself in a place of what would I like to do? What what can I do? And that's the beauty of it. And that's what we're that's what we're all doing in pieces. You're doing radio shows because it's your passion to do it. You're writing books because it's your passion to do it. And before you know it, you've got an international audience. And it's spectacular. And there wasn't it wasn't because you were fighting mainstream news and not liking it. You didn't care. You just decided I wanna go do this instead. I wanna go do something else. And yeah. that's that's, it, healthy. that's the, the, the one one of the premises behind the documentary that we want to make is uh, I put a thing the other day. What's the difference? Why would you make another eco movie? Well, because we're not going to show you film of oil covered birds and trash dumps, and unless right. we're at the trash dump cleaning it up, but we're doing something with it for and, a reason, you know. But disengage with this. Right. Who did what when that yeah. caused the problem? Because right. I would like to point out that when I first started out, I did get involved with a group who was very, um, very focused on fighting the system, fighting right. against what wasn't working. Um, and a lot of my energy went into that. And that was when my body had its second major crash. So I know firsthand how sick that energy can make you and how close it can come to absolutely destroying everything beautiful in what you naturally are as a human being. And I, you know, now everything that I do is focused on reminding people that, you know, I mean, if you create what your thoughts, your thoughts create your reality. So if you perceive a thing to be beautiful and to be okay, then it will be beautiful and okay. So you don't have to change the thing. You just have to change your perception of the thing. Right. That's it. That's all. That's all you have to do. Change your focus. 
change where you put your energy into. And when we first thought of that idea, we there were one or two people we wanted to go talk to, and now it's like everybody's doing it. Right. Yeah. It's awesome. See, I believe there's nothing wrong with your voice being heard. I have no problem if somebody wants to speak up and say, you know what, I'm not in agreement with that, and I prefer this and I do this. Without it being the emotional charge of the, you know, as soon as you're trying to make somebody change, I think you've got something to look at there that you might be in a little bit of a tug of war that may or may not be good for you. But I have no problem when people say, let's do something to make this better. Let's do something because it doesn't have the same negative charge. It has hope. There's there's a seed exactly. of hope there. And where there's a seed of hope, there's inspiration. That's where you're asking for guidance. That's where the you know, the magical answers start to come in and that's where everything starts to grow. So it's okay to wanna be different than something, but to go over to the other side and say, You need to stop doing all of this and then I'll be happy and then I will feel that I've had this great purpose then I think you're getting into some pretty dicey waters that, that may not that may not support you, you know? I like that. Dicey waters. That, dicey waters. That's a good way to look at that. <laughs> right? Stay out of the dicey waters. Are you going to flow downstream and, and have it nice and working for you and opening up and enjoy the view? Or are you just going to, like, fight, kicking and screaming, going upstream, thinking, this, this, it should be easier than this, you know? And, and I mean, hey, if you'd like to fight upstream and that's that's your thing and you're you're good with that, that's cool. Go for it. You know, that's fine. Just don't try and grab me by the collar and drag me with you because right. I'd rather I'd rather float on my back and stare at the stars as they pass by. Right. <laughs> right. And that's the thing. And I think we're all sort of born to be that way, but we never learn that. And I, Steve does a brilliant job teaching the self-first versus self-ish. And, and one of the things I've always said and that I love is, that when you're on your quest, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. As long as you're enjoying what you're doing, it, the rest doesn't matter. You know, that old proverb of nobody else, everybody else is none of your business. So it's not about changing other people's behavior or patterns in order to make you okay. That's control, and that's coming from a place of lack already. So you're not going to be creating that which you want to create going after it that way by banding a lot of people together and saying, you know, this is the right way, this is the one way. If you just do what's right for you and quietly lead by your own example, I think that's one of the biggest oxymorons of business these days. You know, you, you get into things and we look at marketing and we look at how we can be more successful and how we can, you know, hang our shingle and put our wares out there. And, you know, everybody feels that they have to convince other people of their worth. And it couldn't be further from the truth because the moment you don't really care what other people think in the sense of you're in it for your own expansion, you're in it for your own experience, you're in it for the joy of knowing that you are responsible for it and you take that responsibility. Sometimes you plan, you made something and you go, mm, that wasn't so good, but hey, I did it, I made that, and then something else fantastic happens and you say, I did that too, and you own that, then it becomes really magical and incredible. And the oxymoronic part of it is the moment you don't really care and you're in it for your own experience, all of a sudden everybody wants what you got. Everybody wants to call you. Everybody wants to talk to you. Everybody wants to know what you're doing. Yeah, they're all so, like, wow, you're just like happy all the time and yeah. you're never sick. What What are you doing over there? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I heard about this thing. 
That's that's one of the parts of Abraham Hicks that I really still enjoy. I love them. Is, I love them. Is you know when they talk about you know somebody will go what 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 is it you got going on here? Well, there's this stream, <laughs> you know, and, because it's just it's it's. It's, and Which it's so much easier than of appreciation. <laughs> yeah, it's so much easier than you know. Listen, you, you, yeah. you need to wake up. That's just silliness over there. Stop it. Yeah, stop I it. Stop it. I think it was Caesar Milan that said that one time too. Like he equated it to dog training, and I mean, he's another person that's on my hero list because I've learned so much just watching his shows. And he said, you know, if you need the whole world to be empty in order for your dog to listen to you, you're not really going the right way here. You know. Yeah. If you need everybody else to agree with you in order for it to be your truth, then that's not that's more about control. That's not really about you living the biggest, brightest expression of, of you. And I think that's what we're all trying to bring out with each other. And you know what I've noticed, which is, is, is the best part of this? Once you let go of all that and once you just start saying the truth of your being and enjoying who you are and following your passion, all of a sudden these people start popping up who also like to follow their passion and they like to play in the same energy and you get to hang out with them and play in their sandbox and they can come and play in your sandbox and you make all these new friends who are on exactly the same page as you, quote unquote, who have gone through their own journey and their own process and they respect yours and you respect theirs and it's just so much more entertaining than this wrestling match, this emotional wrestling match to try and get somebody to understand where you're coming from. It wow, how what am I what am I going it's to so do if my what am I going to do if my family doesn't doesn't ascend with me? Oh no, they're yeah. going to hell. <clears throat> I yeah, thought, that, that's, that's I the thought we gave up on too. all that. And that's the checkpoint, too, because does it feel good in those moments? Are you having fun in those moments? Are you in joy and enjoying yourself? Not at all. So that's when you, that, that little voice says, shh, don't go there. <laughs> it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not worth going there. Just be quiet. <laughs> you know, go do something else. Go read your book. Go do something else that you enjoy. But it, it's true what you said, Jean, about, you know, then all of a sudden other people show up because it's that whole vibrational range thing. You're always going to draw like-minded people to you in the same way that, you know, if you're going to be negative and you always see what's wrong with the world and what's broken, you're going to find a whole bunch of other people that will help you with that rally too. It's totally up to you, and it's it's each of our own experiences here. I mean, some people say the earth is, is, uh, is school. You know, we come here and we learn lessons and we set things up for ourselves, and then we go back home and look at them all, and, and, and not in judgment, but from a place of, wow, I did that, and oh, boy, did I mess that one up, and I think I want to do that part again. And, you know, we celebrate it. We celebrate all of the aspects of being human. So, you know, we're, I, I feel very lucky. I think we're all very lucky that we have each other and have so many experiences to share and grasp from that we can expand to the levels that we are now in a way that, you know, that you look at how fast things are changing, how quickly you're manifesting things that you want. I listened to that show that um, you did with, I hope I pronounced her name right, Dana Murkich. Is it Murkich? Murkich. Mm-hmm. Is she awesome? She was awesome, <laughs> but you were awesome. It was you that I was compelled by because you were so in your passion talking about how this home just 
came up, appeared, was gone for a little while and came back and it was magical how it opened up and your grandmother and all of the synchronicities that came in and I thought there's a lady in her passion that's wide open saying, bring it on, I'd like more, this is great, thank you very much, I'm enjoying all of this, what's next? And how lucky are we? I, I know we're in the most. Um, if we have to come do this human experience thing, we are in the most incredible times. I think to do it. Um, and on that note, I think we should take a quick break. Yeah, I think we should um, take a quick break. Let we people get a tea. I think uh, Aquarius would be a great song to. Well, of course. Song to play, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little more about what an amazing time we are living in. And you're right, I am ecstatic to be in this home. I am truly blessed to be in this home, and I'm it's been a journey to get here, but wow, yeah. She she used to, you know, pop onto the Skype first thing in the morning and say, Let me get a cup of coffee, we'll chat here in a minute. And she'd be back in about five minutes, and we'd take off with our daily you know, check-in and work period. Right. Now I get a text message that says, I'm going to get a cup of coffee and go out on the patio, So, uh, and, and then I'll be online. So give me uh, an hour or two. <laughs> 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 and I just love that because, my, you know, I'm not in the mountains right now, but my parents had a place in the mountains, and I went up there one time just myself and my uh, then-girlfriend, and... It was, it was a magical place up on the side of this mountain. It just, it just was. And there was, you know, a lady down the way that had a spring that just ran all the time in her backyard, and she had piped it and put a little faucet above, like a wishing well. And, but she took the valve out of the faucet because it just ran all the time. And and you, everybody in the community was welcome to just come in her backyard and come get water. And you know, it's a magical place. And yeah. and so I can. She tells me that, and I can practically beam right back onto the deck that wrapped around that place, looking at the mountains. And ah, I it's, put a, it's I put a awesome. quote on a photo album about people going to the mountains. It's, it's awesome to get up in the morning and be in the cottage that most people go to vacation to. Yeah. And it's awesome to go to bed at night and be in the cottage that most people go to vacation to. And it's awesome to be in a home that was built with, you know, by by people who are now family and out of love with their hands. And, you know, I you, I I don't have words half the time when I talk about this place. I just don't. It's I am so blessed for this experience. And, Wow. All I can say is Bless. wow. I say wow Lucky. a lot. Say wow a lot. Yeah, she does. But it's another one of those stories that inspires people because this is, you know, how you create your reality. These are the things that you open up to, and just by living in your own passion and not limiting yourself, look at what you've created here. So Struggled you know, we for a while with you know, well, well, but if we do this, then we'll have to do that, and we'll do the ha 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 ha. And then finally just turned it loose. Just and uh yeah. you gotta let loose of the boomerang before it can come back. But um we'll we'll uh, we'll go to break, but I, I put a quote from John Muir on your uh, album about these are the first picks of our new mountain home and uh I think it's fitting and then for the age of Aquarius. Thousands of tired, nerve shaken, over civilized people are beginning to find out 
going to the mountains is going home. That mm-hmm. wilderness, <laughs> wilderness is a necessity. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Well, it's the healing. It's the healing. You know, all that electrical charge comes off when you go out into nature and you unplug and you step away from your life and you clear your head and you just take time out to breathe and allow it all to be. And it's magical. I experience that every day, too. I'm, I'm, I created something here that is incredible. We back onto the woods. So we've got our home and we're close to all the amenities that we want, but we're in a small little town and they've got, you know, lots of local farmers and it's wonderful. But we, we we back onto woods where everybody lives. You see the tracks go through our yard in the wintertime. And for a city girl, when I first moved here, my first week I was here, 25 turkeys walked through my backyard and they turned and they mooned me. And I thought, where am I? What's happened to me? <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing because you, you go outside and you sit down and you, you listen at night and you look at the stars and you hear the crickets and you hear everything going on in the woods. And how do you not feel the, all of that energy that's, that's bigger than you, that's supportive of you, that's, you know, healing you yeah. when you do that? So yeah, I'm, I may be in an apartment, but I'm out on the edge of Houston. I'm, to go to my doctor's in Houston is a two-hour round trip. Right. Um, my brother's in Houston. My little uh, my little puppy Molly and I, on our, usually on our last walk of the night, which can be at different times, uh, being on the spirit schedule. Uh, but we get out there midnight stuff like this: armadillos, raccoons. <laughs> uh, we've watched a snake getting rid of the leftovers of its meal. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's just glorious. And uh, what rhymes with glorious? Gene? Glorious. Glorious. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, folks. And remember, it's not 10 minutes till the end of the show because we're going to go over about 20 minutes uh, so that you get the full dose of uh, uh, Ms. Meg. And starting to really appreciate, you know, when they Steve talks about Dear Meg. Aw, thank you. So we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Everybody has a story, a moment in their life that was a turning point that set them upon a path of self-discovery and adventure. Here at Everyday Connection, we value the sharing of those moments, recognizing them to be the inspiring and uplifting gifts that they truly are. We would like to show our appreciation, not just to our guests and sponsors, but to our listeners and supporters who make it possible for us to share those stories. If you would like to support the continued success of Everyday Connection, share your own story, or know somebody whose story can touch the hearts of others, drop by everydayconnection.me and find out how you can become a part of our ever-expanding EC family.
everybody. Aquarians against austerity. I like it. I don't think we have to worry about those austerity programs too much and for too long because they're not covering it in the mainstream as much as they might, but the the people have not left the streets and the ones that have are somewhere focused on how can we, how do we want it to be. And uh, so it's rapidly moving in that direction. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It, it's uh, it's amazing when quote we the people unquote shut up uh, show up. Um, what, what, explain the austerity thing to me. Well, all these countries in Europe, you know the yes, their banks have got all these loans and they can't pay them, and that's the nature okay. of a credit economy. There's never enough to pay all the stuff back because you don't create the money for the interest. But anyway. Um, so basically, Germany, that's doing good, is saying, "Yeah, yeah, we'll put money in and bail you all out, but you got to cut your government spending." So they're like putting people on what they call austerity programs. Whole countries on austerity programs. You know, no more welfare, or not as much. No more food stamps, or not as much. The people are going, "Are you kidding me? We're dying over here." So but did, did, they're just not did, having it. Well, no, because, I mean, did the presidents and prime ministers and queen take a pay cut? Oh, no, no, no. That's what no, I'd no. like to know. Did oh, they, no, 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 no. they sell some gold out of the castle? Like, come on, man, seriously. Well, you know. You're going to starve your people, but you're going to sit on a golden throne. I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. Yeah, me either. And neither are they. <laughs> they, they keep showing up in the streets, like filling... Entire plazas, and some in some cases they're places I've been in Europe, and I know how big those plazas are, and I look at those pictures, and I'm just like, wow. And 
as you were saying earlier, Meg, the thing that's encouraging to me is the way that once they get there, they don't just sit there and go, listen, you bankers, you're bad. <laughs> yeah. They they sit down and they they say, okay, how can we make this better? And that's so different and so cool. It's what I celebrated about the Occupy movement. People started saying, "Why don't post this Occupy stuff. It's negative. They're, you know, trying to be out to get people. And there was some of that in there. But you've got you to gotta recognize that something's not the way you prefer in order to move towards what you prefer. The growth stages, sure. And, you know, we were talking about this before with having your voice heard. And with the media, it was um, attempting to be skewed differently than it was being portrayed. And that's one of the things that I I love. And we talk about this a lot um, in the Lightworker classes and on the Virtual Light broadcast. And Steve and Barbara talk about it a lot, but transparency. And we're all seeing it. Whatever you want to call yourself, whether you're a Lightworker or, you know, whatever. We use that term because of what what that means. And what that means is someone who takes their power and someone who is self-responsible and someone who will show up. And we have to go through some growing pains to make those changes on a global scale. And they were being showed as, you know, violent and negative, but they weren't. They There was very little violence. In fact, in most of the places where there was any, it was not the occupiers that started it. There was, you know, little bands of groups that wanted to come in and kind of start some trouble, and they got, they got moved away pretty quickly. Yeah. They were there talking about transparency and accountability and change and wanting to do better for themselves and their children in a really positive way while holding people accountable. And that way of doing business is just no longer working and no longer acceptable. It's changing. And technology has been um, incredible because you can't you can't close out a country anymore. The world's watching. The world can see you now. We have all every these, every every cell phone has a camera on it. These you know, amazing and a video citizen recorded. journalists, they call them. Yeah. And and uh, it 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 you know is so of, transparent that you yeah. people just look at it and. I mean, I look at some of it in, in the comparison of the footage and what was first said, and of course the news good tries to get their foot out of their mouth and cover themselves later. But um, it, 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 it's just amazing how many people and how easy it is for people to go, oh yeah, right, we ain't buying that. Yeah. One of my dreams. You guys were actually talking about this a little bit on the on that show that I listened to. Um, you were talking about, uh, Rick, I think you coined it having a quantum experience or a quantum explanation. A quantum plan, yeah. The quantum plan and how it's kind of seeping through now, you know, because everybody's walking their talk and, and walking in their passion and working with their mastery. And so the world as we know it is changing. And the energies that are coming in, this wave that we're riding moving into the 12-12-12, I mean, when you're, when you're working in, from a positive 
standpoint, in working in your joy, everything is showing up really quickly. And it's the same as far as, you know, the chaos. That's going to amp up, too. And it's just what side do you want to play on? And more and more people are choosing to play on the side that creates more joy for them, creates more abundance, and keeps them responsible in their own reality. So, you know, it's working from the microcosm and it's changing the entire macrocosm. And one of the one of the dreams that I have, and I was thinking about this when I was listening to your show, I've you know, Steve and I have always talked about Lightworker TV and having these, you know, citizen journalists in different parts of the world, but reporting on all the stuff you never get to hear about, like the synchronicities of how you got your mountain home. And making like a quantum news show out of it where instead of all the doom and gloom that you hear about, that's fine. Yes, those things are taking place. But there's all these other amazing things that are going on in the world. And not just on the big levels, but on the small individual levels. That if I sat down and watched a a news program where people talked about how this dream came true and that hope that they had and this peace that they manifested, you would just keep drinking it in. You would just keep getting inspired, you would then, you know, pick up your pen and paper and write down your list that you want. And that's the kind of stuff that I want to start to see fill up our our ways. And we're doing that with the radio shows now. We're doing that by exactly what you guys are doing here. And I want to see that grow into the into the media where we have on the you know, we have a little network going on where that's that's one of those shows that's on. Like a like a CNN version of Lightworker, that's what I call it. Yeah. We yeah. have we have a vision. We have a vision of everyday connection on TV, which is a big couch and a fireplace yeah. and just, you know, sit around and chat. And I told Rick that I'm not doing a show with any network that won't let me come on in my hippie skirts and in bare feet. Yeah. And and, and sit on my couch cross legged couch if you want to and, or and whatever. Because she but, she does the show from her bedroom, so she's you never know. She might be laying down looking at the ceiling talking to you. Well, and, and where we're going, I, I, they never I, even I, need the network. No, yeah, we're, that's going away. That's going away. But but and, we we've had. And I think that's the coolest idea, which what you're talking about is that it would be so cool to see a, a news hour, a long hour long newscast on mini miracles. Yeah. Yes, and in different parts of the world. So yeah, you know, we've we're... got we've got staff and we've got volunteer all around the world, and I call them, you know, like you're lightworker London and you're lightworker Germany and you're lightworker Russia because everybody has these miracles happening in their lives, and everybody likes hearing about miracles that inspire them, and they're they're all happening. We're just not really hearing about them in mainstream, but I think we're developing our own mainstream. I think that's where we're going. That's what we're that's what we're intending to do with this documentary and are doing with this documentary. Um, is it will be a documentary film about, you know, saw this kid on video at the Occupy movement going, look, you know, this stuff they're talking about in Washington, I don't even understand what they're talking about. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. we got real problems, and nobody's talking about them, and nobody's thinking about them. And that's not really true, not in my world anyway, not in our world. There's people all over this planet doing incredible things, and... Mm -hmm. And yeah. we're we want to talk too about you know why how you know yeah. R.C. Mallory and you know middle class upper middle class privileged kid good education at least you know that sort of thing in Philippines and uh, gets out of gets out of school and goes for a year was it 
Jane? No, well, the first time was when he was a teenager. It was only like it was only a couple of days, and he went to live at the dump. Yeah, but Smoky Mountain. But he got out of college and then when and, he like, went back. Yeah, but he didn't go for a year. It was like a month or something like that. But it, it's a month but or two is long enough. Living in Smoky went, Mountain yeah, from a middle class. He went and lived in the, at the garbage dump. Yeah. With the people. Yeah, in the garbage dump. With the yeah. Because and, he wanted to know it, why were they living in a garbage dump. Well, and yeah. and what could be done about it? And yeah. so he went, and then he decided, oh, see, they don't have any education, and they got to leave school, and they got to do this, and they got to do that, and he starts this education thing. <laughs> and and now he he's launched a cross continental environmental education program that links a school in Quebec in Montreal with a school in Manila. And it was right. funded in part by David, Dr. David Suzuki's uh, foundation. Oh, I like, love the him. kid is just, the kid is just incredible, and he's only one on the list of yeah. many ordinary, I mean, average people who just saw something and went, "Well, these Earth angels I wanna, just, you know, help. he he had a vision. He heard it. that there yeah. were these people living on the at the garbage dump, and he was yeah. like, I 'I don't, I don't get that. How how could that be?'" That's not that's spectacular. So he put himself in it, tried it on for a little while, and decided, okay, so what do we need to do in this scenario to change this and make it better? And okay, let's just go do that. Yeah, yeah, spectacular. yeah. Totally, totally pissed off his family in the process. Right? Oh yeah, because they were like, what are you from upper middle class? Yeah, he's expected to go to school to be to a be lawyer. a lawyer or a doctor or whatever. I think it was a lawyer that he was planning on being, and to help support his family as they get older because that's mm-hmm. Filipino culture. And so he goes and leaves college or university and goes and lives in a dump. But, you know, I mean, his dad was freaking out. They were probably embarrassed by that. They were pissed. But, and that's, I mean, I shouldn't say that because it's a Filipino culture and it's not polite to say. But but I know them well enough to know that, yeah, he was was It all worked out well in the end. They're so proud of him and what he's become and what he's accomplished. And... Because you know, I mean, it's, one all he needed like, was a little time. I'm going to help these kids. Yeah. He didn't. He didn't say, yeah. "I'm going to change the world." He didn't have a this, plan. Do that. He just went. I'm going to help this. You know, four right. kids right over here, and they, there's there's centers open, programs opened in towns all over the Philippines. Yeah. And and then this thing with these kids in Montreal that the Kids in the Philippines are like, well, you know, we got a problem. We don't have enough clean water to drink. And the kids in Montreal are like going, are you, are you kidding? Doesn't it like rain there all the time? And they're like, oh, yeah, it rains all the time, but it's dirty. Right. And so the kids in Montreal, together with the kids in the Philippines, developed this filter that is made out of, isn't it like toilet paper tubes and stuff, Jane? I have no idea. I can't remember and, what it's made out of. And, it's been a while since I saw the and designed it together and and what we like to call research and do it yourself and the kids in the Philippines made one you know test this out and well, catch rainwater in a cistern and you pump it through this filter and it's clean drinking water drinkable water makes it potable and yeah. and they didn't when we say kids we mean like grade 6 by the way yeah for yeah. our listeners who are listening kids. We're not talking about teenagers. We're kids talking that about are young kids. enough that nobody ever told them they can't, mm-hmm. or at least they haven't believed it yet. 
you know. And that was the artsy's thing. I mean, and that's what I'm learning from a lot of the people that we talked to so far, um, is including yourself and almost every guest we've ever brought on the show. There was never a grand plan for their, you know, they didn't look ahead five years ago, okay, this is where I want to be. They said, okay, what's the first step? And they followed the path. And they followed the signs, and they How followed their intuition. How do I help that one kid smart? stay out of the yeah. garbage dump? And then there's five, and, they and there's went 20. There, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and before you know it, um, you know, your your passion is, has blown up into something that's a, a vocation. And, you know, it's not a career, it's a vocation. And and I I was watching a, a Marianne Williamson interview the other day, and it was it, she talked on exactly this point because that's a what you just told was a, a wonderful story by the way I think that's you know those are the stories that need to be told those are the stories that have hope that spread hope and inspire hope and every single one of us has that within us. We're all capable of that. And it's not about the ego and it's not about changing the world and wanting to do something on a grand scale. If it morphs into that, wonderful. But it's not about starting with that ideal. And the one thing she said that really gave me another one of my little aha moments was she spoke to the concept of each one of us having those capabilities and never, don't doubt the miracles that you've created because you don't know about them. Don't assume they didn't happen. That one person that you shared a smile with, that one person that you ended up having a conversation with, you don't know their day, you don't know their life, you don't know what they go on to become in their life in that one moment that you inspired them. You don't see the trail of miracles that you've left behind, so you automatically assume they're not there. And she positioned it in a way to make you question and look at it and say, I never thought of it that way and the possibilities are endless when all of those hearts connect together and I just got the most incredible visual from that when she spoke of that that we don't know we don't know when we're just trying to bring our best to any situation and just be kind or not be judgmental or be helpful on even the smallest scale can turn into things that we never know about and there was something so hopeful in hearing that and to me that's just another place where I see magic there's a potential in everything we do to create that kind of magic absolutely you never know how far the ripples of your your compassion will spread yes yes beautifully put yes yeah yeah and um, it, it it's so easy once you sort of get in the groove. It just becomes the way you see things. And you, even if you don't say anything to anybody, people you don't have a verbal interaction with, see an energetic alternative that they may not have ever seen before. Yeah, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun just to play there, right? It's oh, kind yeah. Of fun. It's kind it of is. fun to go out there and, and just, shine that light and look and see what shows up and look and see who's around. And I, I just, it's fun. You just have your own little party by yourself in anything that you're doing, going to the grocery store, whatever you're doing. And the little ones too, the babies Absolutely. and the toddlers. and. I'm convinced they see it. 
They see it. They look and they look over your shoulder I, and they they see the little your little peeves. They see Nestor. They see George. They see everybody over your shoulder. They, they look smile. at you, smile. <laughs> exactly. They know it. Oh yeah. They know. They haven't forgotten yet. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, we put some links in the uh, in the chat room, uh, but for our podcast listeners, um, I suppose they would find you, of course, at uh, www.megadamson-gore.com. Yes. And we do want to have a shout-out, I suppose, to our podcast subscribers and, and listeners, wouldn't you think, Jane? I would I would love to shout out to our podcast listeners and subscribers. Um the the our listenership has been growing exponentially lately and I just want to give mucho love and appreciation for all of you yeah. out there. Um of course, you know, we we enjoy the interactive live chat that we get going on every show. Um but we are also uber appreciative of all of our listeners who who listen to the archives. Um, so our love to you as well. Yeah, yeah, because there's Thanks lots for of joining you us there. on the journey. We know you're yeah, out there. Yeah, tons of you. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, over 5,000 of you, actually. Every month, yeah, yeah. We. <laughs> How exciting is that? We now over 1,300 listens a week. and uh, That's awesome. It's, it's just... Yeah. Uh, you guys are you guys are the bomb. We uh yeah. we love it. And well, uh, keep congrats, sharing. It's working. The, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations to the both of you for creating the the space and the venue for that for people. Obviously, they're really enjoying what you're doing. So, congratulations to you both. Well, thank Oh, it's just fun. We <laughs> That's what we've been saying all night. You do, do that it little, anyway. do that self first thing. It's just, it's just fun, you know. I, it's I, just fun. I don't we care get what, awesome guests on the show. We, we just get to hang with the most awesome people. Uh, yeah, and, and I get to talk to the coolest people as, twice a week. Like, as I, Steve might say, we get to remember our family, right, and ourselves, and uh, uh, and find out that these foibles and weirdnesses and things that we had along our way are exactly what we needed at the right time, you know. My goodness, did you have to have a near-death experience? Well, apparently it was my first choice because it's what materialized. Because <clears throat> it's the only way it was going to get your attention. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it sometimes um, is, I think of um, our doctor friend, Jean, uh, Dr. Terry Walls, and she's telling people with multiple sclerosis, like the ones the doctors have given up on and said, you know, go on your trip to your bucket list places. Right. Um, and telling them, if you'll change your diet, meditate, and exercise, you'll get better. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a tough sell. But Dr. Terry Walls was in a power tilt wheelchair and a zero-gravity chair around the house. Uh, could, you know, with two canes, could get, you know, two crutches could get just a little distance, but that's about it, you know, six, eight feet. And um, and so she looked, and sure enough, the and, and it's in her TED Talk uh, and on our interview on our show that she looked in her medical stuff. She's a doctor. 
and a teaching doctor even and and there was nothing and she said but fortunately we have google and she started googling pubmed documents and all this stuff and she gave up on multiple sclerosis cuz she's like that's nobody knows what so she just looked at all the little individual symptoms and like nerve degeneration, peripheral nerve degeneration, and she looked at everything that caused that and how you treated it, you know, and brain shrinkage and looked at everything that caused that and how you treated it. And she scientifically figured it out, which is all, it, it's very interesting uh, if you like scientific kind of stuff. But the point is that she was in the power tilt wheelchair, go home, get your life in order because you're checking out. Right. And now she rides her bicycle five miles to work every day. I asked her, I said, so basically you were screwed. And she said, yes, I was screwed. And, and, and I said, how are you now? She said, not screwed. <laughs> she, she she wasn't even looking to get better. She was just looking to try to prolong it a little bit, you know. Right. And just followed the trail of breadcrumbs. And now she can stand up on stage and give a lengthy TED Talk, standing, and and have, uh, I think, a better opportunity of convincing these folks of, you know, look, I know they've given up on you, but try this. Right. I'm not, I'm not asking you to, you know, build a temple or an altar or something. Eat some greens, three cups of greens, three cups of color, three cups of sulfur every day. Right. And position your belief system to know that you're going to get better. Yeah, and if you need some inspiration, look at me. Right. They say, I've read some of the studies, and they say that um, the biggest hit the immune system takes is at uh, the first eight weeks after diagnosis because it hits your awareness. That's right. And so when it hits your awareness, you have a choice to make. And usually that first eight weeks is in that acceptance of what did I just hear? What does that mean? What do I do? And that is when most people plummet in their health. And then at that point, the decision becomes, are you accepting it as a death sentence or are you determined that it's going to, you're going to get well? And that's what determines how your immune system will respond. Yeah. You take that big diagnosis and she, she, it's pretty honest that it was tough for her. She was a trained physician. Sure. She had been told what it was. She knew, like, from the inside out what her prognosis was and had pretty much accepted it. But she had this, there's got to be a way that I can at least slow this down. She didn't reach for the cure. She reached for the next step. Up the, the logical left. next step. So it right. wasn't far out of reach. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then she, it slowed down and she was like, maybe we can arrest it and bicycling five miles. Life is, can be a glorious adventure, but sometimes adventure is what you were after. So, you know. Well, and when, when your cause is big like that, you know, she's a medical doctor and she's a teacher and, you know, she has access to so many people in speaking at the TED Talks and speaking publicly like that, you know, that story. It's, it makes me think of um, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, yes. you know, my stroke yes. of insight and what happened to her and how many people have been inspired and changed by that simply because they don't look at having a stroke the same way because of watching her and listening to her. 
and and she couldn't do what she does if she hadn't had a stroke. So right. So people, would, you know, I had this thing last week with my doctor. You know, you must come tomorrow. I can't discuss these results over the phone. I must see you in person, but you can't wait seven days till your next appointment. Wow. Yeah. And that's comforting. Fortunately, thanks to friends of mine, you know, before the day was out, I was. You know, before I had to go to bed and then get up the next morning and go see the doctor, I was in a really good space, you know, of, right. yeah, yeah, doctors do that. and They do. They've done it to me. Doctors can be <laughs> alarmist, you know. And, totally. and You know, you, this doctor has run a blood panel, which he doesn't normally do because he's your neurologist, and he's something, you've got to come tomorrow, you know, and. To, to, uh, and, and his secretary is trying to be comforting. She goes, I asked him if he could talk to you over the phone, and he said, oh, no, I can't discuss this over the phone. I need to see him in person. Um, that's, wow. Anyway. There's just a lot of drama in all of that. Like, we could reword that differently. No, we don't discuss anything over the phone. It's just routine. So come on in. We'll see you tomorrow at 10. You know? Yeah, yeah. But... Um, you know, it's it's not a big deal. It's something I can easily deal with, and so that's nice to know. And it's nice to have those friends that you can call on Skype and go, "Wah," and they go, <laughs> "Really? Wah? Come on now!" Yeah. And then you pick yourself up and get on. And uh, I know that you and Steve and and uh, of course our dear Barbara uh, have done that and do that. For so many, and uh, bless you for what. Oh yes, and, and, and please give our love to Barbara. Please. Please I do. will. She is just, one magic. I just want to get man. that in there. Um, give our love to Barbara and our our best wishes for. Um, I understand I, she's getting better, which is awesome. She, she is. I I didn't want to ask oh, about Barbara that's... at the beginning of the show because, or or really Steve because we could probably talk about both of them for a whole show. So <laughs> we'll have to have you back. But it's not about. Them. It's about Meg. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. It's about it's about all of us. Everybody knows how special they are to we me. We didn't even really talk about raw magic and I you know, know. I coming, up with, that. coming up with <laughs> with and nutritional potions for Barbara's recovery. So uh, <laughs> I thought about that. We got we just got off to a good start with <laughs> who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> well, that's that's what we do, and and and, and then we get all off into the details on the second show so you'll have to join us again we'll find a time when we can do that oh, i'd love uh, that you guys have been i feel like i've been sitting in a in a big cozy living room drinking tea with friends and enjoying a nice conversation so it's been a, an absolute pleasure and i will just jump in and say that barbara has been doing really really well and she is one uh, magical lady to watch boy and it was another testament of people and that power of you know no attachment to taking credit for it or my way is the only way or anything like that, but just sending her love and energy and, you know, allowing her own wisdom and uh, team to decide how best to, to use that and what they chose to do, what she wanted to do. And she has absolutely stated already to Steve and Steve has talked about it in the updates, the videos that he puts on the website, that there has been significant difference from how many people, from the time people started 
sending that energy to her and her recovery process. So, you know, that's we're all in this together and we're all here to light each other up and, and egg each other on and be each other's champions. And she's been magical. I mean, her doctor is amazed at how quickly she's recovering from being so close to death. And it's and they've been so transparent and in such integrity through this process with everybody that they're sharing with everyone. To me, they're they're just heroes to me with the way that they live their life. I've never seen them ever uh, fall out of integrity. It's it's how they live and it's who they are. And watching the last several months, watching Steve and watching Barbara um, and hearing about how she is doing and Austin, their son Austin, who's living with them, has been so incredible. And they're just they're people who I I just I love so much and I look up to and I think that she's just a a, a walking vision of exactly what's possible for anybody at any point with any issue going on in your life, whether it's, you know, your relationship or your job or your health or your hope. It all comes down to hope. We all need to have hope. We all need to be loved. We all want to be loved. And this lady just has done magical things yet again. And it's it's just inspiring and it's in, incredible that they've let the whole world in to be a part of that process and are so appreciative of everybody's piece that they've sent forward. So, how you know if that's not beautiful, what is? Yeah. So remember that, folks, when you see a f- post from somebody on Facebook that is on your friends list, but maybe you don't really know them, but it says, "I need some." energy or could you send love and light to my mom Uh, just pause for a second five seconds is fine time is baloney you know but speaking of time we are yes we scheduled two hours for the show so that we can accommodate these technical difficulties but we're we've run our 90 minutes and 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 blessings to all the folks in the chat room that have stayed with us through the uh fun uh I know it started Especially off with Sam from Glasgow. Yeah. We now must be probably I don't know three o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous. Three or four in the morning. Sam, a regular us regular visitor of of the show. So shout out to Sam for staying up so late on this one. Yeah. We love you, yeah. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> yeah, and Bill and Jason and Leslie and everybody in the chat room. A couple of guests. Yep. Um, bless all of y'all. And uh, uh, we've got people coming up. I don't even know who's coming. Jason's coming Thursday evening. There you Jason's go. Coming. Jason's coming Thursday right. evening. Going to talk about crystals and and he's doing some amazing handmade jewelry with these copper coils wrapped around. Oh, you just almost have to see it. Um, he is indeed. He he did one for me. Um, and yeah. you know, pretty awesome eventually stuff. I'm I'm even going to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have to have routers <laughs> first. Um, yes. So everybody join us Thursday night, and uh, and Stacy Kerchival has a live channeling tomorrow night if you want to check that out. Uh, I think there's a small fee for that, but join us free on Thursday night. And until then, stay connected. Night, everybody. Night, everybody. Night. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. 
Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Juicy sizzling steak, hand-tossed original dough, a four-cheese blend, and Papa John's creamy signature Philly sauce. It's like the best cheesesteak sandwich ever, but way better, because it's on a pizza, which means you can share it. So show some brotherly, or whateverly love, and get yourself one today. Right now, at Papa John's, get a large Philly or any large specialty Papa John's pizza for just 12 bucks. Yes, 12 bucks. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. At participating U.S. stores, prices may vary. Tax and tip and fee extra. 